The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwatchwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. In today's podcast episode, as we roll back the clocks to the Becoming Your Own Banker book series that Joey and I did over three years ago, we covered this section, which was long range thinking required. This comes out of Nelson Nash's book. And one of the things that makes me think this episode is going to be good for you is because sometimes we're too challenged by the here and now. We're always focused on the urgent and not necessarily the important. If you're like me, you've probably asked, how can I impact generations to come when I have all these things on my to-do list today? Well, the only way we do that is that we stretch ourselves, right? One of my good friends, Sharon Trivatsa, he likes to say that you know you're in the right room when your aspirations, right, the things that you would aspire to be and to become are the norm of the people that you're hanging out with. Well, today, this podcast is meant to stretch you, to make you think long range, to give you aspirations to things that maybe will become your norm. So there's three things you're going to learn out of this. One, what is required to pass along long range thinking? How do I pass or pass down wealth, knowledge, the information experiences that I gain over the rest of my life. Secondly, what have the richest families in the world done in order to execute on this either poorly or amazingly? And lastly, what can be done to start or to add to your generational plan? I hope you enjoyed this. Let's jump in right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome. This is the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your host, Joey, the Italian Stallion Murray, joined as always by Russ, the idea guy, Morgan. Russ, today's episode is a continuation of our book review of Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. This is book number, book review number 15. And we are still not done with the book. <laughs> this is absurd. This is the way we read books, by the way. <laughs> it takes a year slow, to complete it. Slow and steady wins a race. That's what I say. Well, and today, though, I think it's appropriate for us to even make that analogy that long range thinking is required when trying to play out this whole concept of becoming your own baker. How many times has Nelson over the years with us at lunch or otherwise said, don't be afraid to think long range. Every time. And, and it was the simplest of things, but reading through this chapter here, this is uh, an even distribution of age classes on page 71 and 72 of his book. I, it's just so much more profound to me. 
Well, I think one of the, the things that you'll probably take away from this one little section in the book is that he's trying to give a way for you to think, how do I play out this becoming your own banker process for generations, right? Because a lot of times you may be the first one in your family who's ever identified this. If not, if if you had a parent or grandparent who helped you see this ahead of time, congratulations. You're like in the super minority of this. For most of us, it's like, okay, I really am digging this. I want to apply this. And I would love to see this play out for generations to come, but I don't really know how to do that. Well, I think one of our clients said it best. Wyatt uh, actually messaged me after reading this. And he, first of all, he had a big wow on a picture. He took a picture of this area of the book. He said, wow. And I said, man, tell me what you're thinking. And he said, if this works this well for me, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had done, someone had done this for me. Isn't it just makes sense that I would do it for my kids, like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I thought that was a pretty simple idea, but also very profound is once you realize the power of infinite banking, you're like, man, how can I get this into generations to come thinking long range? Well, it excuse us for being um, so presumptive to think that you actually already know what we're talking about, because okay. it's possible this could be your first episode, right? That's right. If you've never read the book, the book Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash, go right there on our website, wealthwhitewallstreet.com, hit the infinite banking page, and there's a link. You can buy the book by directly from Nelson Nash's son-in-law who runs a company uh, for him, uh, the infinite banking company. I, I would tell you, get this book and you can then go back and follow along with every single chapter that we've, we've broke this out because I think this is one of those that really uh, helps people start to see how it does play out over a long time. And he, he starts off the, uh, this chapter, Joe, he says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. This is Proverbs, right? That's right. And I think sometimes we think of legacy in the simplest of ways. Legacy, if you go to uh, Google, I don't know if this is a Webster's de <laughs> definition. I don't know if anybody still has that. We, we just go to Google and we type in legacy and it says an amount of money or property left to someone in a will. Now, Joey, I got a question for you. If you could leave your kids, your grandkids, your future generations, one of two things, you could leave them money that you've accumulated over your lifetime, or two, you could leave them the knowledge of how you created it so that they could go and do it themselves. Which one of the two would you leave them? A clear answer is knowledge. Knowledge of how to create money, it far surpasses the actual dollars themselves. Well, I mean, think about it. What is it worth? What is what is knowledge, the power of creating worth as opposed to just money itself? I mean, it's it's un uh, there's no comparison because the actual dollars are fleeting if they're in the hands of somebody that doesn't one know how to manage it and two know how to take it and grow it th from there. Well, if you think about that, so I watched that history documentary on the men who built America. Have you seen that yet? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of different guys that they cover. Well, and one of them that they covered was Commodore Vanderbilt. And I just remember, because I had read back in some other stuff prior about how big of a fortune Commodore Vanderbilt had built in the late 1800s. I think it was like in today's dollars, like $2.1 billion. At the time, he was the second wealthiest individual in uh, America behind John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. And I just remember them talking about he died 
About five years later, his son died, who he had passed the fortune down to. And then reading that like 30 years after his uh, his death, there was not any member of the family who would register as one of the top uh, wealthiest people in the U.S. Yeah, I, I think I remember some about that story. His son died really young, right? Yep. It wasn't that he, you know, it, it was like within about 10 years or maybe eight years of his. I think I just said five, but go ahead with it. You, <laughs> the fact that you don't listen to me, that's okay. I'm sorry. You, you were saying something I wasn't listening. <laughs> You're correct. Keep going. Yeah. And I think that to me is the pivotal, pivotal thing is that the knowledge died right then. It, there wasn't enough time or I shouldn't say there wasn't enough time. They didn't make at a point to pass that on. Well, here's, I want to break this out because we don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of going back and reading uh, on it and watching documentaries on it. I don't know, but during the documentary of the men who built America, he was an innovator. He, he, he recognized the, the need for shipping and he built this amazing shipping corporation that, that amassed this huge fortune. But then he, he being an innovator saw transportation moving from shipping to railroads. And so he took all of that money and shifted it into railroads and and just blew it up. To be ahead of the curve, like to be the first ones in that space. Exactly. And now what I would think though, is maybe what happened is, is that that knowledge and innovation either died just with him or maybe with his son, because they said his son actually expanded the fortune past him, but he did die shortly thereafter him. And the others did not either have the motivation or didn't have the knowledge. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe they had the lack of vision of where things were going and they stayed in 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 railroad. Right. They they didn't see it. They they became blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. And I think to kind of further talk about the point of how important knowledge is, I think about even like present day things that we can see all around us, like there are millionaires who amassed great wealth and then lost it all through some either malinvestment or, you know, some sort of, you know, scandal or something like that. And then, but since they knew how to amass this wealth, they've been able to bounce back and now either get all of that back or even grow from there. Like guys like um, Steve Jobs, Martha Stewart. I mean, she's not a guy, but you, you get the point. Um, even, even MC Hammer. I mean, you can't touch this. <laughs> if you didn't say it, I was going to. So, uh, but in George Foreman, there's plenty of other examples, but that to me kind of highlights the importance of the knowledge of how money w- works and how you can actually grow and amass wealth. Well, you're losing your voice there. So I'm going to jump in. Walt Disney is one of those that I'd read about as well. Early on in, in Walt Disney's career, he'd built a film comp- a company that actually lost its backing. And so ultimately he ended up having to file bankruptcy. But then I see he, he turned that to his cartoon production company, in which then went on to create a massive wealth through building Disneyland and then ultimately Disney, Disney World. I mean, it, it's the innovation, the, the uh, ability to think, the ability to imagine. And that's why we keep coming back to Nelson Nash's book when he says that you must think long range because if you're not willing to think long range you're you're probably not a thinker and he says five percent of the people actually think ten percent of the people think that they think but 85 percent of the people would rather die than think <laughs> yeah that always uh makes you think no pun intended um which one am i yeah well i, I would think that if we're going to keep saying the word 
<laughs> it's important to think. Absolutely. But I, the the whole idea behind this is that you and I, as we were diving into this area of this book, we were talking about how important this is, the, the importance of how to pass along the knowledge that we have. All right. Well, what do you think, though, Joey, is standing? What's one of the, the main reasons or biggest obstacles of what's standing in somebody's way from being able to accomplish this passing down of knowledge or passing down of wealth? What do you what do you think the limitation is out there? I, I don't know if this applies to everybody, but I think the majority of people in America today have been bought into the idea of funding types of accounts that are very individual in nature. Like explain. Like, okay, 401ks, for instance, that is not a family type of um um vehicle. It is an individual retirement account. So you don't think somebody comes home with their 401k statement and sits down with their kids on the couch and goes through line item by line item of what happened? No. No, that doesn't happen. You don't think they say, okay, kids, when I'm no longer here, this is what you're going to get. No, because it would be sickening. (laughs) Um, According to our CPA, the 401ks, IRAs of the world are the worst at generational wealth transfer from a tax perspective. And And that's a really big statement from someone who actually helps people and families uh, when when a family member dies and they do have to pass that money down for them to say it is the worst asset to pass down to the next generation but you don't think they sit down with their kids and they say here kids let me show you how you can start a business through this statement no no not a chance and i think they just naturally create we've talked about this on other shows it naturally creates silos within the family because okay son you have to handle your retirement in this account um, I'm going to handle my retirement in this account and so on and so forth. It kind of just permeates the generations. And like we said, there's nothing really left at the end of the time anyway. So you don't think they sit down with their kids and say, let me show you how we're going to pay for your college with this statement. No, no. I mean, with, with 529 maybe. No, but that four, I mean, I'm just saying the 401k, that's the IRA. The, these are the the places that mainstream America is being sold hook, line, and sinker. And I mean hook because you are the fish in this situation, right? And they are reeling you in, marlin or or brim, I don't know. They're, they're just bringing you into the boat to say, keep your money here for 60 years. We were, we were on an event just this past weekend and the conversation came up is, well, what about though? And I know we're kind of derailing here and that's our, our, our jive, but what if they give me a match, Joey. Yeah, that that's the big draw to something like a 401k. It's free money, right? It's 100% return. All these things that you've heard about the match. But how is that in direct um, conflict with our goals? If our goal is to become financially free in two years, five years, 10 years, that's meaning we have more passive income coming in than monthly expenses. And we are 35, 45 years old, and we're being asked, why shouldn't we put money into a 401k? We see that that's a direct conflict, right? Yeah, because it inherently requires you to keep your money locked up until at least into your 60s. So there, I, get, I, I said that this weekend, I'll keep saying it. You cannot give me enough money to make me stay in something that I do not want to do for 10 years, 15 years, 25 years. I don't care the amount of money. I will not do it. Well, tell us how you really feel. 
<laughs> it's the reason why we, I mean, I've been in two different companies that have 401ks and are no longer with them, right? That's not important enough. All right, I'm going to get back onto our goal. But I do think there there are many things that potentially keep us from thinking long range. And it may be asset classes like that. I would say uh, another one is that we probably don't have even great examples around us that we can relate to, right? Because you and I have read the book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? Great book. I'd great say book. totally go read it. But it's, it's going through the richest man in the world, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's not an example that we just are like, oh, yeah, I get that. I, that's what I like. And, you know, that's what my family was like. No, I don't, I don't understand that whole concept. There's not a whole lot of great examples that I can go, well, how did that wealth and that knowledge of wealth constantly get passed down that I could go, oh, I could do that. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. I think probably one of the best examples that you and I, and I, if we if we talk about any book on this show that comes up the most outside of Nelson's book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Right? It, it doesn't matter who we've interviewed. They always say, well, then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and this happened, and this changed. Because why? Well, I think because it is relatable, yeah. right? Whenever Robert Kiyosaki is talking about his friend's dad, who is his rich dad, who was teaching he and his friend about what he was doing, how he was acquiring rental properties, how he was buying um, and running convenience stores. He was just taking them through the steps. So he knew his friend. And and so that's his, that's his friend's dad. He could just follow him around. And and from a young age, he learned from, from an example, someone he could go, well, I if he can do that, we're from the same city, same background. I can do that. Yeah. Why couldn't Why couldn't I do the same thing? Now I think we we also have a really uh, great benefit in knowing Dr. Jimbo Smith. Dr. Jimbo Smith was on our podcast um, a couple years ago now. Now that I think about it, and if you want to look at that uh, episode up, it's how to create business opportunities and generational wealth with the infinite banking concept. And he just laid out for us how he's been able to use infinite banking within his own family to buy policies for grandkids and kids. And now be able to have a, um, an annual meeting with the family to talk about what they're doing as a family. I mean, lots of really great nuggets in that in that example. Well, we need to be exposed to things for sure. And big ideas are great. But I mean, that's such the reason why we say people ask me, well, why should I be a part of the community? 
It's exactly. exposure. It's exposure to ideas that you would have never thought about. You would have never even thought were possible. It's exposure to networks, being around other people. Dr. Jimbo Smith is one of those that you mentioned. Someone who is actually doing this this chapter, who is yeah. actually living out this living chapter, it. who's buying policies on kids, buying policies on grandkids, and then using the whole lending process to build family wealth and to pass down that knowledge. We need that exposure, Joey. Absolutely. And if your network is limited, which all of ours are, when we first start, we have very few people in our our little circles that know anything about this. That's why the community is so valuable and we want to continue to grow that network uh, more and more. Right. So, Joey, let me ask you, though. So sometimes we, we can get into this conversation about leaving a legacy, leaving an inheritance for our children's children and I think there there could be two other factors that some people might mention that would say, okay, is it sometimes people don't do it because they're selfish because they want to spend all the money while they're here. Another one could be busyness. It could be that really I, I would like to do it, but I just don't have the time to prepare for it. I'm too busy with my with my work, with then coming home and helping out with all the kids stuff. I can't make these happen. Which one of those camps do you think uh, people could fall into? And if, give them an example of how they could get out of that potentially. Uh, I'm going to land on busyness. I think busyness is the distraction that that makes us like deprioritize things like that. If they're not urgent and important, they get dropped so far down the list that we never quite get to them. It's kind of like the things that we talk about when we're we're looking at our life in weeks. Mm. How many weeks have gone by that we really don't even remember what happened because we're so busy at work. We get home. It's like a nonstop dash until everybody goes to bed and we just do it over again the next day. Like busyness consumes us. Busyness. Oh, my goodness. We're at the end of the summer, right? Mm. I mean, summer has flown by so fast. We're sitting here and looking over our podcast and said, wait a second, we've been doing this for three years. <laughs> I mean, three years you guys have had to listen to us. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking through like how fast time moves. And yes, we can get busy. I, I mean, I would say some people may say, well, I don't want to leave so much money to my kids. They'll go. There's a Warren Buffett quote out there that sometimes gets thrown out. And I don't know if you know this about Warren Buffett, but he's only going to leave his kids $2 billion. Yes, what, how could they even live? <laughs> but see, that, isn't that the common response? You just gave the most typical response is that, oh, I guess they're going to just have to suffer. <laughs> right? Struggle. But, but really, what's behind that? I mean, Warren Buffett is said to have said. I don't know if that's the way he said to have said. Yeah, something. Or maybe he just said it. It was just a saying. That I want to leave your children. I want to leave my children enough money where they can do anything, but not enough that they don't have to do anything. Mm. And I can get the premise of that, right? I can I can get the point that we don't want our kids to be lazy, right? That's we right. want them they need to produce. We we want them to continue to be able to create. But doesn't that always come back to? Do you want to leave them the money, or do you want to leave them the knowledge of how to create the money? No doubt. That's exactly what we want to do. And that's what Nelson is really talking about here in this chapter is a generational wealth plan. I think it's easy to lose sight that that's what he was doing because we get so focused in on, well, he said to buy a policy on this generation and then this generation and this generation. And then if we do that, that's just the how, like that's just the, the inner workings. But the why behind it was 
how do we get wealth over a long period of time to pass from one generation to the next? I'm going to even go deeper than that. Nelson was big on helping people get out of the mindset of in the bondage of what the financial world and the and the government had provided. He, he in his in his other book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, he had a chapter dedicated uh, out of um, out of Egypt and on to Babylon. Mm. He was talking about slavery as it related to people's mindsets of what they were doing. And I think he loves the concept of if families are building wealth with internally, that then they can pass that wealth and knowledge along and they can be a independent working unit. They don't need, I mean, he says one of the benefits of using this plan is that you don't need social security, mm. right? Because you're independent. You're not going to be dependent upon it. Or, I mean, the last year that we were around him, how many times did he talk about the, the race riots in Tulsa? Oh, like every time. And, and be honest with you, <laughs> outside of 2020, most people don't even know what that is. But now that's been brought up to the surface because of all the racial um, environment that we're in right now. But Nelson was talking about this long before any of that came up because he was talking about how that, he called it the Black Wall Street, how the money in, internally inside of those neighborhoods would, would stay inside the neighborhood, would not filter out. And the reason that there was this burning, um, people got angry at that because they were not filtering the money out into their area. And so they got real angry and they went in and, and as a terrorist and burned the place down. And Nelson was saying, this is what, what they were doing was amazing. With the way that they were building wealth internally in their families, this is what he would love for us to be able to do is build wealth internally. So we're not depending on other people. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the a couple of things we want to dive into this particular part of the chapter here. It's easy, like we said, to get into the nuts and bolts of okay, buy two thousand dollar a year premium on your on your grandchildren, and each one that's born do the same thing over and over and over again. But there's a couple of issues that we want to bring to light here. And some of that has to do with, do insurance companies like for grandparents to buy policies on their grandkids? Not not mostly. <laughs> I mean, some of them, we, we've been able to like skirt that through. But typically speaking, when you're buying an insurance policy, insurance companies want to know why, right? I mean, we're trying to buy right now insurance on three new business partners. And, and it's just a small investment uh, business that we've created, right? And the insurance company's given us all sort of grief as to why we want to buy insurance on the people. Or like, they're the ones that produce the results for us. Yeah, like, if they're not here, the business doesn't exist. Exactly. There's no money. So, but they also want to know, well, why would a grandparent want to buy an insurance policy on a grandkid? Like, what would be the financial loss? That's all they care about. What is That's the financial right. loss to you if you would own it? So one of the people, one of the common responses, well, okay, well, grandparent can buy the policy on the grandchild and then the they wouldn't necessarily have a financial loss so then but their kids would potentially have a loss right i mean can you imagine the impact i, I don't even actually want to imagine the impact if 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 we were to lose a kid but there we know that there would be one Absolutely. so then that benefit could come to the to the parent but there's a problem with that joey yeah um that that would not be okay with insurance companies well, no, no, no. That's not exactly right. If grandparents, if you quit listening to me. I know you weren't listening, so I'm going to say it again. This is like I'm with one of my kids right now. Okay, Joey, <laughs> let's go back through this. Do I need to, like, with a color, like, draw this out for Get you? A crayon. All right, so grandparents at the top of this triangle. Oh, yes. And, okay. and over here, we have the grandchild as the insured. And over here, we have the parent 
as the beneficiary. Why is that not okay? Why is that? I think they call that the Goodman Triangle. Okay, I was about to say the Bermuda Triangle, so I'm glad you said Goodman. But yeah, they they are totally not okay with that. That creates more risk to the insurance company. False. What? This is a a Dwight Schrute false. Bear equals beats. (laughs) Okay. No. (laughs) The reason that's not okay is that creates a taxable environment. You cannot have three parties to the contract like that. That automatically creates a transfer tax that exists, and insurance companies don't want you to do it because they don't want to create that. So they really will not even insure it because they know immediately you can't have three parties in the contract. They can't be different. You need to have the person who's buying it, be it the beneficiary or the insured, they could necessarily be the beneficiary, which would be their estate. All right, so as you can see, I'm still on this journey to figure this out. Russ is on the journey to figure this out. We want to make sure that we are giving you the correct information, okay? And so we're actually going to take um, a trip, actually, this winter. I sure hope so. Uh, I mean, let's hope that COVID doesn't keep us from doing this, to go in down the, the path of creating family trust. Because one of the things is if... If it is hard, if the insurance companies are not real uh, fans of the grandparents buying policies on kids, on, on grandkids, I'm sorry, and they don't want them to buy it and leave the beneficiary as the parent because that creates this taxable issue that we just, this, I, I was just teaching you about, Jeff, then the other option is potentially using a trust. And trusts have benefits because then you can give instructions from the grave, but also they have some some cons because there could be some tax implications. And so Joey and I really want to figure this out this weekend, uh, this uh, this winter, we're planning to go to Salt Lake City. We had a guest on our show who wrote a great book called Entrusted. Uh, Andrew Howe has a, um, a, a legal firm there in Salt Lake City. There happens to be a couple of amazing ski mountains there, which <laughs> it makes me want to go even that much more. Then we're going to go and, and, and figure this out. And when we do, we're going to come back and share it with you. But I, I want to wrap this up, Joey, is to say, hey, look, the, the biggest part that I, I would gain from reading this chapter is that I don't leave wealth, I leave the knowledge of wealth and how to create it. I want to get my family involved. And I've seen that personally in my own family. We, we've we been borrowing money uh, from, from our parents and, and paying them back for all sorts of different things. We're trying to keep the wealth building. I'm trying to teach my kids how this works. This, this winter, I'm going to get a chance to buy my daughter's uh, first car and I'm going to use her insurance policy as the tool. And I'm going to start teaching that process but I think it is going to it is is deeper than just money. Well, and that's the something I was going to say also that when Wyatt shared with me his thoughts on this chapter, that was one of the very uh, immediate things he came to was, man, having policies on kids is going to force me to share the why behind it, to share the process that we're doing. So it it at least gives us a uh, talking point that we can start sharing this information, this knowledge. Now, you can't keep it a secret, right? You can't just have it going in the background and not sit down with the family and do this. But at, at the very baseline, it is actually helping you to get to that point of transfer of knowledge. It is. Well, I, I appreciate you sticking with us and learning along with Joey. <laughs> we want to make sure that these episodes of Nelson Nash's book is deep and thorough for you so you can go back and you can read the book and then you can come listen to the different um, chapters and episodes we've done on this we only have one or two left and then you're going to have this whole 
just series or catalog. I don't know what you will call that, but we're going to put all these together for you. And hopefully um, that'll help you in your journey. And as you want to pass that along uh, to maybe your kids or your grandkids, it'll be something that will, will help assist you in that that process. So as always, we really appreciate you not only listening, but watching us do this. And I hope you have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.